with a nugget. Pastor gave us a nugget. So praise God. Father, I just thank you and I praise you and I glorify you in the name of Jesus for the privilege to speak the mor this morning to your children whom you love so very much. I am very grateful, Father God, for the position that you placed us in. We thank you, Father God, that you have strengthened us and will continue to strengthen us as the days go forward. And I just praise you and give you glory and honor and power. Every, every, everything good comes from you, God. You are a good, good father. And I thank you, Father God, for the people of this congregation who are understanding and take over when times are needed and, and when things happen. And I just praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to share a little so you all kind of understand what was going on two weeks ago. Um, go back about a half a week from there. Um, but he had a cough. We got him to the doctor and they found a heart murmur plus the cough. Then three days later, I believe it was, Benjamin ended up with a cough. It's a thing that's going around on dogs. So I tell everybody, if your dog gets a cough, you pray and it doesn't go away, get them to the vet immediately. So um, last Sunday, or two Sundays ago, two Sundays ago today, we got up our normal thing. Benjamin comes in, watches me pick, put on my makeup, but he usually stayed in bed. But that Sunday morning, he went to the living room and sat in the, this bare uh, lambskin rug and was sitting there. And I looked, took one look at him and I knew. And so I, I thought Pastor had gotten the car ready for me when he came in. I said, we need to talk. Hand me your sermon. I'm dressed, you're not. He's gonna go today and bring him to me. And so I spent time with him. Thank you, Dan. I got here and handed Dan Pastor's sermon that I was gonna to try to teach. And I said, if you, would you please try to teach it? And um, he said, if I can't, I'll run home. And I saw, he, before I got out of the parking lot, I saw him going home because it was gonna be a, but anyway. I got home and I prayed, God, make this go fast. And I got in the house and had missed this by three minutes. So um, Benjamin was very ill also with that cough. And so we were dealing with grief and praying through one to stay here. So um, thank God he's healed. And uh, Pastor about two days later, started looking up scriptures on animals in heaven. I had no doubt that my, dog, my puppy was in heaven. And um, he found a lot of scriptures to prove that. So praise God. Any of you that have lost puppies, cats, whatever, don't let anybody tell you they're not there because they're there waiting for you. Hallelujah. So... This is Mother's Day. I wanted to explain to you what we've been going through, and I thank you. Um, we had an emergency last Wednesday before church, and I just thank you all for taking over. So if I lose it, I lose it, and whatever. Okay, the problem you solved determines how you will be remembered. 
The problem you solved determines how you will be remembered. Happy Mother's Day to all moms today. This is from Pastor. I want you to think back. This is from me. I want you to think back when you found out, this is the first time or any time, that you were about to become a mother, ladies. <laughs> whether you married someone that had children, whether you had children or whether you adopted, you, you found out you were going to become a mother. And that day, when you, everything was about to change in your life and would never be the same for the good, but freedom that you had once known and pastor looked at me and said, well, what about men when they get married? <laughs> Life as you knew it was over. I want your kids to think about this. Life as you knew it was over and everything was going to change. Trust me, even the, predict, the pre unpredictable would now become the norm. Amen. So, you know, I don't care if you become, you know, a lot of us don't understand loving a pet, but when you, when you adopt a pet, you become that pet's mom or dad or whatever to take care of and cherish until they go home to be with the Lord. But I'm going to talk about children today and mothers mainly today but you know the minute you become you have no idea especially the first time what you are about to experience trust me and what's going to happen to your body and all kinds of things take place that nobody told you about they couldn't tell you about it because every mother's challenges and every mother's joys are different than the others amen and so so life as you knew it was over and everything was going to change. The unpredictable would now become the norm. You never know. And I could tell some things on my kids, but they would probably choke me. Anyway, let's turn to Matthew 15, 21 through 28. I wanted to make this a happy, joyful sermon this morning. Because motherhood is happy and joyful. There are times of sorrow. But everything we go through is worth it. Verse 22. And I'm going to go ahead. Um, let's go to verse 21. And going away from there, Jesus withdrew to a district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman, I'm reading out of the Amplified, was a Canaanite. They don't even give her name. We don't even know this woman's name. That's, you know, there's, it's like the woman with the issue of blood. We didn't know her name. But this woman, we didn't know her name. She was a Canaanite from that district, came out, and with a loud voice, loud, troublesome, urgent cry, begged, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is miserably and distressingly and cruelly possessed of a demon. He did not answer her a word. And his, his disciples came and implored him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. His, 
He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and kneeling, worshiped him and kept praying, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. How, ever, how many have ever been in that position? Lord, help me. And she wouldn't give up. And he answered, it is not right, proper, becoming, or fair to take the clothes, the children's bread, and throw it to the little dog. So here he's calling her a dog. And she said, yes, Lord, even the little pups, the whelps, eat the crumbs that fall from the young master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you wish. And your daughter was healed and cured from that moment. And her daughter was cured and healed from that moment. So I want to look at this, and I'm going to use some old sayings kind of because I found a poem and it, and it matches so you know it's a poem and we'll go on and think about some of these things there are pressures today on moms that are greater than ever every day there are new pressures on moms then we're greater than ever think about it it's got to be the toughest joy in the world just think about, think of what's expected of her in our success-driven society. We are in a success-driven society. And, it's, and you are out there, especially if you work. I was fortunate and blessed to, um, after, after I became pregnant, I was blessed to stay home. He said, I'm, I want you to be a stay-at-home mom. And, you know, a stay-at-home mom's job is to have everything in the house dealt with as far as I'm concerned. And so I was blessed with that, and I'm very grateful to you. Thank you so much. Okay, so... So a woman is driven to have a successful career, keep the house spotless, raise perfect children, be a great cook, look like a model, be a charming hostess and a conversationalist. Sounds like a pastor's wife in a way. Anyway, um, I, here, comes the, here comes the first poem. She cooked the breakfast first of all washed the cups and plates, dressed the children and made sure stockings all were mates, combed their hair and made their beds, set them out to play, gathered up their toys and put some books away, dusted chairs and mopped the stairs, ironed an hour or two, baked a jar of cookies and a pie, then made a pot of stew. I like this thing. The telephone rang constantly. The doorbell did the same. A youngster fell and gashed his knee. Then the laundry came. She picked up blocks and mended socks. Then she polished up the stove. And when her husband came at home at 6 o'clock, he said, I envy you. It must be nice to sit at home without a thing to do. <laughs> Thank you. You've never said that. I appreciate it, or I probably would have smacked you. No, just kidding. 
There was a study on, on monetary value of a wife's services in the home and the various functions she performs. And this study was done. I found this study. It was back in 2002. So you can imagine what it would cost nowadays. Amen? Nobody wants to tell how much it is, I guess, nowadays. Um, the value, mo mo monetary value of a wife's services in the home and the various functions she performs. She's a, she's a chauffeur, a gardener, the family counselor, a maintenance worker, a cleaning woman, housekeeper, cook, errand runner, bookkeeper, interior decorator, caterer, dietitian, secretary, and a hostess. Um, does that sound familiar, ladies? And it starts at 6 in the morning and ends way late at night. Uh, the impressive list of a housewife work in that labor market in 2002 came to $985 a week, and that was $51,220 a year. Can you imagine today? I looked at what a nanny would charge. Now, a nanny's not going to do everything else, and we all know that women work after. Okay, this is the nanny. The nanny's not going to be a gardener, family counselor, make maintenance worker. If I had a nanny, she'd be cleaning the house, I guarantee you. And I'd have her cook. But a nanny, if you were to hire a nanny today, it would be $985 a week. It's a lot of money. And it would be 105,070 a year. It's a lot of money. Or watching someone else's children. A few years back, the Uni University of Michigan conducted a national-wide survey on a thousand girls between the ages of 11 and 18, what they would like to be in adult life. A surprising 80% expressed a desire to be like their mothers. 80% desired to be like their mothers. Unfortunately, I don't know how many it would be today because most mothers have to work. And most kids, I hate to say this, have no idea what goes on in the home and what a mom does in the home. Because moms don't gripe about it. Amen. But a woman is, is, is expected, even if they're married and they have kids, to take the bulk of the, the house I'm talking about a working mother and do most everything around that house. She works all day, she comes home, she cooks dinner, she takes care of the kids, gives them baths, gets them ready for bed. If you have family devotions like we did, you have family devotions, you clean up the, everything. It just, it doesn't stop and, and every mother that I know that's a godly Christian woman is very grateful and thankful to do this. But you have to run a tight ship. I mean, I ran a tight ship in my house or it can get all screwed up. And um, so 80% expressed a desire to be like their mothers. Of course, this was a Christian survey, so you have to remember, okay? 
It also said that no other force in the life of a son is as strong as the influence of a mother. This is an illustration. A teacher had given us, it's on magnets. A teacher had just given her second grade class a lesson on magnets. Now came the quick, quick session. She asked her class, my name starts with an M and I pick up things, what am I? A little boy shot his hand up in the air and said, my mother. <laughs> have moms, have you moms ever thought on going, uh, to go on strike? <laughs> Think about it. I'm just going to go on strike. Well, there was a movie out, and I don't know if you remember, it was around Christmas, and it was a few years back, and several moms decided, you know what, we're not going to do it this year. We're just not going to, it's just, you know, put up the decorations, do this, do that, whatever. I think it was a Hallmark movie. We're not going to do it this year. And um, they found, the, the family found out just how important the mom was. How many saw that movie? It was really a really cute movie. They found out how, how busy and how much moms do. One mom did just that. There was, she was tired of all the chores around the house with no help or thank you. After warning them, she finally decided not to lift another finger until the rest of the family pitched in. It only took a few hours to get action. On a different and sad note, a husband wrote this to his wife. Now this, is, this was written years ago, so I found another poem. M is for mink coat you want, dear. O is for the ocean va vacation condo you crave. T is for a trip around the world, my sweet. H is for the dream house you so desire. E is for, for the earring you so admire, love. R is for the ruby ring. Put them all together, they spell bankrupt. So I'm giving you the, this handkerchief instead to wipe away all your tears. <laughs> Pastor wrote this one. Okay, illustration two. A little boy forgot his lines in a school presentation. How many remember those days? You're sitting up in front trying to Egg them on. Most little kids, if you go to like a kindergarten or a, or a preschool thing, there's always one that has their finger up their nose. I remember going to one of the, the kids in our church. The, they invited us to the Christmas party, and I thought the mom was going to flip because it was her kid that was standing there doing that. So a little boy forgot his lines in a school presentation. His mother sat so proud in the front row, and to prompt him if necessary, she gestured and formed the word silently with her lips, but it didn't help. Her son's memory went blank. You know, little boys have a tendency to do that. Finally, she leaned forward and whispered a cue. I am the light of the world. The little boy's face light up, lit, lit up, with great feeling and a loud, clear voice, and he said, my mother is the light of the world. <laughs> a mom is definitely the light of their world. 
But he said, my mom is the light of the world. Let's go back to Matthew 15 again. Now, this mother had a demon-possessed child. You know, sometimes we think our children have a demon, <laughs> the way they act. <laughs> I tell you, you go in and you look at them and they're sleeping so silently silently at night and you think how can this adorable child act like that during the day it's unbelievable amen dogs are easy they don't talk back they just lay on the front row and just lay there put a little baby on the front row and see what you're going to get amen but you look down at them and you think how can this little little child so perfect Get up in the morning and cause so much terror. I had one of mine that um, walked in his sleep, and I'll never forget. I'm not going to tell who, but anyway, um, the other two were sitting at the table eating breakfast, and he would choke me if you ever. And he walked in the first house we had that we bought, it was in a total circle, which was really cool. And so he walked around the circle, and I was in preparing myself to take them to work or work school and he opened up the oven door and thought it was the bathroom <laughs> and um, my oldest one that it wasn't him said I can't believe it and I said what is the problem and they said mom mom you know how they say mom mom it's always how many remember that mom mom if you have boys you know what I'm talking about come here quick and I looked at the inside the oven and I thought, great. And he was, he used to sleepwalk. He was asleep, but his eyes were open. He was wide awake. So I thought, well, I'm going to have a great mess to clean up when I get home. That's a mom's job. She's going to cover up whatever takes place. Okay. So you just forget that one. Okay. All right. Matthew 15, 21. <laughs> Bless pastor's heart. You know, sometimes when you have never had children and you marry a woman with children or marry a man with children, you don't quite know what you're getting into if you've never had any. And um, it, was, it was quite a, a different <laughs> situation. He had nieces, but unless you spend the night, day and night with someone, you don't know what you're getting into. And my kids were really good kids. I think every mom will say that. Um, so pressure, pressure on moms is nothing new. Now I want you to listen to this so many times we go through things before we get to Matthew. I want to go through this. Eve was blamed for the original sin and one son killed his brother. You know, we blame Eve for the original sin. How many know that? I used to have an apple. I don't know what happened to my apple. Hagar, Sarah's handmaid, gave birth to Abraham's son, Ishmael, and we're still dealing with Ishmael's generation now. Hey, uh, let's see. Jochebed was Moses' mother that placed him in a basket in the River Nile. And we know what happened to, to Moses. I mean, they were killing all the children. She places him in a basket 
on the River Nile and the Pharaoh's daughter, one of her handmaidens came and picked him up and she raised him as her child. Yet the mother, the sister Miriam watched where he would end up and she went up to Pharaoh's daughter and, and asked her, do you need somebody to wean him and take care of him? So the mother was given the job to raise that child anyway and was paid for raising her child. Hallelujah. Mary, the mother of Jesus, there was no place but a stable for his birth, had to flee to Egypt to escape Herod's wrath and was at his crucifixion. But let's look at this mother. We don't even know her name in chapter 15 of Matthew again. 21 through 28. We think about this. This is really something when you, I just think. Here she is, a Canaanite woman. She's not even supposed to get near him. They're not even supposed to talk to them. And here she is, and we'll read it again. Um, and behold, a woman who was a Canaanite from a district came out and with a loud troublesome, urgent crying, begged, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is miserably and distressingly and cruelly possessed of a demon. That's so powerful. And here this mother had, well, the demon-possessed child in verse 28 these are the words that Jesus himself said about her. And Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Great is your faith. I'm going to go to the King James. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from the very hour. Immediately, her daughter was made whole. She pressed in. One of my favorite scriptures is Psalms 107, 19, and 20. And they cried unto the Lord. Let's, let's turn there a minute. This is for all of us. Hundred and seven, nineteen and twenty. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Thank you, Jesus. His word. The Amplified says, Then they cry to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivers them out of their distresses. He sent forth his word and heals them and rescues them from the pit of destruction. Can you imagine having a daughter that is demon-possessed and the thought of trying to raise her and for her to be normal? Just that, just the cry that went out. I can just imagine how agonizing that must have been. I mean... Like I said, sometimes we think our kids have a demon. There's times when we wonder about it, but this woman's child did. And what did he tell her? You have great faith. 
We don't even know her name. We're going to know of her in heaven, I guarantee you. We know nothing of her, but she was a Canaanite woman, came from a hostile environment to the Jews, presumed to be married, and that her child was demon-possessed. Again, we don't even know her name. We all know she had great faith. And these four words made her known as one of the greatest mothers of all time when Jesus spoke those words to her. Jesus is an expert on faith. How many know that? And when he found it, he was filled with great joy. He didn't always find it in his disciple. Not disciples, not once did Jesus say to his disciples, you have great faith. Not once. But here's this woman that comes to him desperate. What did this woman do to deserve such praise from the Lord? She did three remarkable things, and I want you to think about these. She crossed great barriers. She was a woman. She was a Gentile. And she was a Canaanite. This was a mother who in her need was prepared to cross any obstacle to turn to Jesus for help, no matter what. I also think about another woman, the woman with the issue of blood. We don't know her name either. But she was prepared to cross any obstacles to touch the hem of his garment. There is a place of desperation that we ha many times have to come to. And I'm telling you, church, the more I pray and the more I'm in the Word in this hour, this is the hour where we need to be in desperation before the Lord, especially this year. Many things are going to take place this year. We can either see God's magnificent glory poured out upon this nation or it's going to be terrible. And we as Christians have got to pray. We, have got, we're, we are going to have to cross great barriers. We are. In our prayer life, we are going to have to come to the place where we refuse to look at the, the signs and the wonders, the five physical senses, and cross great barriers to get to Jesus with our prayer life. So here's this woman. She was a woman, she was a Gentile, and she was a Canaanite. This was a mother who, in her need, was prepared to cross any obstacle to turn to Jesus for help. Are you there? We need to ask ourselves, are we there? Faith requires that we make an effort to cross whatever barriers that stand in our way. Such barriers as time. All too often, too busy with other things to pay attention to the spiritual. You might write that down because I really see that in this hour that we live in, that is the number one problem that Christians have in this, in this hour. You know, I talked to someone the other day and they were saying that their pastor had an emergency. Also, three people showed up to church on Wednesday night. You know, that is,
that was grievous when I heard that. And I've talked to other pastors that are saying the same things. Yeah, we're all tired. Um, we're all going through things. Right now I'm getting shots in my knees on Wednesday for five weeks. Next week's the last one. So I have to come home, put my legs up for two days, and then it'll be done. I didn't choose, you know, I wouldn't have chosen this time to do this if, I, if I'd known everything that was going to be happening. Amen? So this woman was a mother who in need was prepared to cross any obstacle to, to turn to Jesus. Faith requires that we make an effort to cross whatever barriers that stand in our ways. First one is time. We were often too busy with other things to pay attention to the spiritual. You know, it's interesting to me. I see people, they spend more time on their, on their phone than they do in conversations with other people or with Jesus. I'm not here to knock anybody down, okay? I went out to lunch with a woman um, to minister to her, and she asked me a question, and I didn't know the question, quite frankly. And I said, well, hang on a minute. And I pulled out my iPhone, and she said, you know, I can't handle it when I'm with someone and they pull out their iPhone. I said, well, I'm pulling out this iPhone right now very quickly to find out the answer to the question you just asked me because I don't have it. Praise God, it was on there. No, I did it and got off, and that was the end. All right. Here we go. For today, the time gap Time, all too often, we're too busy. Hang on, I don't know what we did in this thing when we typed it, but we did it. Just bear with me. Such barriers, barriers is time. For today, the time gap of 2,000 years. Culture, does God understand today's modern problems? Is it politically collect? correct in today's society. Pride, the greatest barrier of all, to refuse help. Science, if you can't see it, does it exist? The Downing Thomas Syndrome. So here, here are the barriers that so many of us, and she had to, to cross over. 2,000 years ago, Evidently, this woman decided she was going to pay big attention to the spiritual matters because of what was going on in her home. Most parents today that are going through things with their children, they try to figure out everything else, but the first place to go is to Jesus. I can honestly tell you, every circumstance and every situation I ever had with my children, the times that I didn't go to Jesus first and I went somewhere else, were the times that time was lost, time was spent, and it could have been time that thing could have been dealt with immediately. If you have a demon-possessed kid, trust me, the first place you better go is to Jesus. And I've seen demon-possessed kids get set free, but you know who set them free? Jesus. Nobody else can set a demon-possessed child free but Jesus. Go try. The sons of Sceva tried. They came running out naked. 
Faith requires that we make such efforts to cross whatever barriers that stand in our way. Whatever barriers are standing in our way. Sometimes we look at our kids and we see ourselves in them. We mothers. We look at our kids and we see ourselves, some things that we don't like of ourselves in them. And so we, we have to go to God and say, God, I need to get this thing changed. As a mother, there are, there's a different place that a mother holds in a child's life than a father. And it's a mother's job to, both of their jobs actually, but a mother will stand before God get before God and pray through. There are two people that I've been with, people on deathbeds, children on deathbeds, that I told them. There are, two, there are two people that I can tell you that will get get a person prayed through, a child prayed through. The dad is out working. He has, he's at work. He's having to battle the stuff at work, plus pray. But a mother and a pastor's wife will get that child prayed through. I can tell you that right now. Trust me, years and years and years I've seen it. Plus the pastor. But the pastor's wife so many times has that mother knowing in her spirit what needs to be done and how to pray. Not saying that the man doesn't, but there are ju there's just something in a woman that Jesus put in a woman that not too many men have. Thank God, the man is is the man stands stands bold and takes care of everything and prays you through. But that woman has that that knowing that compassion on what to do. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but we'll go on. If, you've, if you're a mom, you know what I'm talking about. Culture. Does God understand today's modern problems? Yes, he does. <laughs> Pride, the greatest barrier of all, to refuse help. No, I don't need the help. I, then you know what? Go on and stay in your mess. You know, so many people, I've known so many people they don't realize it's pride when someone says, you know what, I want to come and help you. And you say, no, no, that's okay. That's pride. Look up pride and look it up really well and read it and study it. Amen. Science. If you can't see it, does it exist? The Downing Thomas syndrome. Things that drove her to Jesus. Desperation. How have you ever been so desperate? Everything else had failed. She would seek Jesus regardless of the cost. Well, we know what the, what the disciples did. Get her out of here. She's getting louder and louder. Get her away from us. They did that with many people. Did you notice that? Blind Bartimaeus. Shut up. A lot of compassion there. I can just imagine Jesus, what he must have thought. These are going to be the ones that are going to come after me. But he had those women that traveled with him and took care of everything. Mothers, women that took care of everything. Love, love for her child. 
Love made her accept Jesus' silence and yet still appealed to him. Jesus was silent. He was just like totally. Have you ever gone and asked somebody for something and they just stand there silently? Love for her child made her accept the silence, yet she still appealed to him. Love made her suffer apparent rebuffs from the disciples. Vision. She believed in Jesus' compassion, his ability and willingness to help. The measure of our faith is conditional by what we see in Jesus. Write this down and do a study on it this week. The measure of our faith is conditional by what we see in Jesus. How do you see Jesus? You know, there's times when we do, are not caring about a situation enough when the Lord has to deal with in, us and tell us, I've put you on this earth to take care of this situation. Deal with it and do it. Take care of it. There was an old song years ago, and it was, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. How many remember this song? Anybody? Christine, can you sing it from there? I'll help you. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things on earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Remember it? Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full, you're not singing, into his wonderful face. And the things on earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. When you're in his, in his face, when you're in his anointing, everything around you that seems so big grows dimmer and dimmer and dimmer, and he grows brighter and brighter and brighter. The second thing she did, she was persisted. This mother refused to be put off or intimidated. Ladies, I'm going to put this to every woman in this group, whether you are a mother or not. This is a man's world, okay? So they think. God has women that he is calling out in this hour to be great women to be known and you cannot allow yourself to be put down continually if you know that God's shown you and told you to do something be bold and become persistent in the face of Jesus I've had to counsel many women even though they have a high position at their workplace the men still try to put them down. This is how this woman was. Here are the disciples of Jesus putting her down. And she had to become persistent. The mother refused to be put off or intimidated. She was not going to take criticism or silence as an answer. I'm going to give you an illustration. This is a good one. A teenager had decided to quit high school, saying he was just fed up 
with all of it. How many, of, how many of you have been just fed up with all of it? How many have ever been just fed up with it? Fed up with my job, I'm fed up with the people I work with, I'm fed up with all this stuff. Get on the freeway and they're acting like idiots and crossing over in front of you, just fed up, whatever. And so, tell, you go, I'm fed up with all of it. His father was trying to convince him to stay with it. Son, you just can't quit. All the people who are remembered in history didn't quit. Abe Lincoln didn't quit. Thomas Edison didn't quit. General Douglas MacArthur didn't quit. And Elmo Kringler. Who? The sun burst in. Who is Elmo Kringler? See, the father said you don't remember him because he quit. I think that's a good one. When you have teenagers, you've got to come at them in different ways. Returning back to the mom, intimidation factors that could have kept the mom being persistent. Jesus' silence in 1523. We've only got one set of scriptures today, so 1523. But he did not answer her a word, and his disciples came and implored him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. Such compassion those disciples had. That's amazing. The rebuke of the disciples forced, she foc focused at Jesus and not on the disciples. She probably wanted to say, who are you anyway? I'm not even talking to you. But she kept quiet and focused on Jesus. Jesus' first behavior, you don't belong here. She simply refused to be put off. She let her needs speak for herself. She fell at his feet and stretched her hand out. I'm going to give you another illustration. An 18-year-old young man who had multiple sclerosis trying desperately to become an Eagle Scout. This was in the, in the news a while back. All he lacked was a 16-mile hike, but he was wheelchair-bound. You'd think they could change the rules, but the rules are the rules, right? This is wild. His wheelch he wheeled his chair for 10 miles, and his arms gave out. He then slid to the ground and crawled the remaining six miles. This is persistence. Can you imagine? You know, I'm sure that his um, Eagle Scout guide wanted to say, you know what, we could just skip it for you, but you can't. That's the rules. Can you imagine for 10 miles? He made it on his wheelchair and then his arms gave out and he gets down on the ground and, and he crawls the remaining six miles. We have it so easy nowadays. You can just run through the restaurant and get your meal. The same quality that this mother possessed, persistence is the hallmark of a mother. The love of another, love of a mother is never exhausted. 
It never exhausts. I don't care how old those kids get. Even though you might go down the list, get all of them mi mixed up when you're standing in front of all of them. I know how, don't know how people with seven kids do it. You know, I'd get, I'd get their names mixed up. Finally, I'd get to the one I wanted. The same quality this mother possessed, she had persistence and it's the hallmark of a mother. The love of a mother is never exhausted. It never changes, it never tires. It endures through all, in all good repute, in bad repute, in the face of the world's condemnation, a mother's love still lives on. She made no claim, verse 27. She said, yes, Lord, even the little dogs, the little pups, eat the crumbs that fall from their young master's table. She relied on the grace of Jesus. When the Lord told her that it didn't seem right to take bread from the children of Israel and cast it to the dogs of, dogs of the Gentiles, she didn't burst into tears and walk away. Instead, she gave Jesus an answer that excited him. You know, a lot of women or a lot of people at that place would have just burst into tears. Tears don't get it with everybody, let me tell you. She said, true, sir. I admit that. I have no claim on you. But there must be some grace. Grace I don't deserve. I'm appealing to you, and this did not turn out, these words. Woman, Jesus replied, woman, you have great faith. Be it unto thee as thou wilt. The mother possessed great faith because she won over her difficulties, every obstacle and opposition. You know, all of us have obstacles and oppositions. I wanna make this for the men also. We all do. There are things that come our way that we do not expect to experience. We just don't expect it, or we know we might experience down the road, but we don't expect it at the time and the hour when it comes. How do we get through it? Thank God for Jesus, and who is the Word. Thank God. I want you to just think about some things that you were put in front of you and you thought, how am I ever going to get through this thing? How is this thing ever going to end? Jesus, the grace, the love, the mercy of Jesus. Don't despair when you face problems. Persist in your belief. Receive his grace, which he offers freely to all who approach him. So many times, and I've heard people say this, I've said, did you go to the Lord? No, it's not big enough. It's, you know, this is not that big of a thing. Our God wants us to go to him with everything. So it won't become a big thing. If we'll go to him at the very beginning, 
then it won't become a huge mountain. But so many times, instead of going him at the very beginning of a situation, we let it just rise and get bigger and bigger and bigger. But you know what? Even if we let it get bigger, he's there to take care of it when we go to him. I look at this woman. I'm going to read about her one more time. She had a lot of guts, to put it bluntly. She, like the woman that was at the well that time. And behold, a woman who was a Canaanite from, the dist from that district came out and with a loud, troublesome, urgent cry begged, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is miserably and distressingly and cruelly possessed by a demon. But he did not answer her, wor her a word. His disciples came and implored him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. She wasn't crying out after them. Matter of fact, she probably wanted to send them away. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and kneeling, worshipped him, and kept praying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not right, proper, becoming, or fair to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, yes, Lord. Yet even the little pups, whelps, eat the crumbs that fall from the young master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O daughter, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you wish. And her daughter was cured from that moment. We serve a Jesus that hears prayers, every prayer that we come to him with. But there are those three things that we need to have. We need to be persistent. Some of us, when we don't hear the first time, you know, a lot of times we go to Jesus and there's this doubt there. First of all, I've found when I go to Jesus, I have got to have the scriptures before me. So I have the scriptures to back up what I'm asking for. You know, he will not, he will never, ever turn down someone with scripture in their hand, ever. Because that moves God. What's the second one? Anybody know? Actually, the three things. Desperation, love, and vision. Desperation, everything else had failed. She would seek Jesus regardless of the cost. I put in the fourth one. Love for her child. Love made her accept Jesus' silence and yet still appealed to him. Love made her suffer apparent rebuffs from the disciples. Vision. She believed in Jesus' compassion, his ability and willingness to help. The measure of our faith is conditioned by what we see in Jesus. I remember when Mike was in that horrible accident and he was on life support and we, were, we had been on a camping trip, which was amazing. I was on a camping trip and came home to get towels. And the message was on the phone from our oldest. And he said, Mom, you have got to get 
to the hospital because Mike is on life support and they don't expect him to live. And about a month before I had taught on raising the dead, so I had taught for about a month on raising the dead, so I had all those scriptures that I had studied and had built up in me. And he was over 18 and the Lord told me, it's up to him, it's, it's, it's his will. And I said, that's fine, but I'm going to ask this one request. If it's his will to die, then I want him to snap out of it and tell me I want to go to heaven. The first thing that we got when we got to the hospital in Santa Cruz was the neurosurgeon that came to us and said, I'm going to tell you right now, your son is so bad off that he will, he's either going to die or he will be a vegetable and he will end up, end up in a nursing home for the rest of his life. Thank God I have been preaching on raising the dead. That's all I can say. Jesus raising the dead, not me. And we went in and he was, he had staff from the, from the cuts. He was, they had him packed in ice because the part of the brain that it hit was the temperature controller. He looked awful. And if I would have looked at, in the natural, it would have been easy to just give up. But I said, no, we're going to stand no matter what. And Pastor took his hand and prayed, and he opened his eyes and shut them. Well, he didn't say, I want to go. So I stayed and prayed. And it was right after we just, I think, I don't even, the church was a year old. And so we, came, we stayed. We came home. I got clothes. Pastor stayed because he had the church and work. And I went back up, and I went up with tapes, faith tapes, and a tape recorder. And I gave special requests to everybody that went in that room, do not speak anything negative over him. And I knew for that to take place, I was going to have to stay there around the clock. So I, I prepared to stay around the clock. They came in, and they had him in bound in... Um, what is it, straight jacket, John? And he was, he was um, tied down to the bed because when people have that type of a brain injury, sometimes they wake up and go nuts. And so I just plugged the tapes in his ears and I stayed there praying in the Holy Ghost. And would the, time, the only time I would leave was to go eat and I had a friend that let me sleep there and so I was there almost all the time. It didn't look any better. Nothing in the natural looked any better. But I just kept pressing on. That's all I knew to do. I had the word. I had the word I'd studied. And I kept pressing in and pressing on. Finally, he woke up. And he woke up normal. And I stayed for a few more days. And as I knew it was going to take time for him to get healed, my ex-mother-in-law came down and stayed. And then when it was time for him to go home with her, we talked about it, who he would go to. She said, I'll go ahead and take him because I have the time and I have the, the place for him. 
when she came to get him, he absolutely was absolutely crazy. I don't know if I've ever shared this before. And um, she called me back and she said, they will not release him. He's going to have to go to a nursing home. Oh, it was a demonic spirit. I knew exactly what it was. So from home, I got on my face and I started taking authority over it, rebuking it and dealing with it. The hospital called her back within, what, honey, about an hour, an hour and a half, was it? Said he's perfectly normal, come get him. Mothers and fathers, we have the place in Jesus Christ because of the blood, because of the word, because of who we are in him to pray and get through anything, anything that the enemy tries to make look like it's going to be impossible for a loved one or a child. I just want to leave that with you this morning. Nothing is impossible with God. The things impossible with God are possible with men. I think my biggest fear was, if you want to call it fear, and it probably was, is that my ex-husband would get there before I did, because he's not a believer, unless he's become one, and say, pull the plugs. Because he would have, because that's what the doctors were saying, pull the plugs. And that was my biggest concern, we won't say fear, is that he would say, pull the plugs. But I don't care what you're going through with your children, I don't care what it is, our God is faithful, and he knows every hair on their head, and he knows how to complete the work that's begun in them. I'm telling you, he will, if you will stand, no matter what ugly thing it looks like, what the kid says or does or whatever, God is greater and God knows how to get a hold of them. And he will. He knows what it's going to take to get them there. And he will. But you can't give up. You cannot give up. In the face of, of death before you, you can't give up. You mothers and you fathers have what it takes. Those of you in this church have what it takes to pray your child out of anything. But you're going to have to stand. You're going to have to be persistent. But our God is an awesome God, and his desire is to see them through. No matter what it looks like, he will complete the work he's begun. Look at us. I thank God for each one of you. I thank God for this church. God promised he'd send his best, and he did. He knew exactly who would be here and exactly what we would need and exactly what you would need. And I thank you for being here the last few weeks. So, after saying that, does anybody need prayer this morning? I hope this sermon made sense. You stay down. I hope this, you don't need prayer. I hope this sermon made sense. Yeah, <laughs> he got up. He was going to come up for prayer. Um, yes, he does need prayer. Keep praying for him.
Okay, Pastor, you want to come do what you do so well? It's Mother's Day. Rejoice.